it really did just strike me while we were singing that he is what he provides. We're singing, if you're not familiar with that phrase, Jireh is, is one of the Old Testament names you see for God. Jehovah Jireh literally means our provider. And what he provides, we always get caught up sometimes thinking about the practical things we need. We need money. We need our bills to be paid. We need relationships to be fixed. We need the lights to come back on in the room. Um, we get caught up in thinking of all those kind of things, but he really is the most valuable thing that he could provide to us. He, he told Abraham in the Old Testament, I am your shield and your reward. It's, it's all about him moving in our lives. He is the precious prize that we get that he gives to us. So just be encouraged by that. Whatever you came in seeking this morning, I'm trusting you're meeting him. And that, that will be enough, just like we sang about. He is more than enough. So anyway, we started a series last week. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, and we started a series on the Holy Spirit called Empowered. Uh, because as Christians, we should have some power in our lives. There should be something different about us than the people around us in the world that don't know Jesus. Uh, we're a little bit behind schedule. If this were 2,000 years ago, the first Pentecost when the early church happened, if that were today, there would be 3,000 more people here this week than there were last week. Come on. We're, we're, we're on the move, though. God is moving in our midst. He's adding people to his church. But imagine that for a second. They had the day of Pentecost. Literally, there were zero people in what we would call the church. There were zero people. 120 of them had been praying, but they weren't organized. They didn't know yet that we're the church. They didn't know they were the ecclesia of God. But one week later, they had a move of the Holy Spirit. Peter got up and preached a sermon, and 3,000 people got saved. What an amazing thought. What an amazing God we serve. He really can save a nation in a day. Come on. What's, what's too impossible for God? What are we praying for right now? Whatever we're praying for, I guarantee it's not big enough compared to what he's able to do. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Last week after my sermon, uh, what everybody remembered, I had at least a couple people tell me, like, I'm going to pray for a Chick-fil-A miracle. Because I showed a meme last week. The guy said, oh, I prayed in my eight-piece nugget. I opened it up, and there were 12 nuggets. And like out of all the stuff I said last week, what people remembered and latched onto is I'm going to pray for a Chick-fil-A miracle. Um, well, I don't know about it, but I saw another meme this week that there must be a revival or something happened in a Chick-fil-A. It says, uh, Chick-fil-A gave me unsweet tea this morning on accident, and Satan thought he won. But I went back and got a free sandwich. Come on, somebody. Who knows what God will do at Chick-fil-A? If you're there, ask him. All things are possible. Here's another thing I saw this week. This is more along the lines of what I pray for in my diet. You can't expect to eat junk food, never work out, and get abs. And he says, well, first of all, through God, all things are possible. So just jot that down. <laughs> I don't know if that one really works or not. It, it hasn't for me so far. I, I told Pam, I have abs. They're just buried in the cooler under the ice. Like, there's... <laughs> There's a six-pack in there somewhere. Um, but a couple things I want to share today. I just want to tell you a couple things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives and share a couple stories from the book of Acts. How many of you know the, the official title of the book of Acts you'll see in some translations is the Acts of the Apostles? I think it ought to be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's really what's going on there. They are telling us stories about the Holy Spirit moving and empowering people who walk after Jesus and follow him. Uh, so here's the first thing I want to start with. Jesus was talking to his disciples. There's a whole bunch of times Jesus kept telling his disciples, I'm going to go away. 
He was trying to prepare them for, you won't see me after a while anymore, but there will be somebody who will be just like me. He called him another helper will come. The Father's going to give him to you so that you can live this life. That is an amazing thought to me because if I was with Jesus, come on, did you ever think about this one-on-one? If you were in that group, you're like, we've got Jesus Like wherever we go, we just let Jesus multiply the food. We let him turn the water into wine. And then he tells you, I'm going to go away. I don't know what your reaction would be, but I would be like, no, Jesus, you you can't leave. Who's going to do that stuff at the parties? Like when we go to places and everybody's amazed by it, who's going to do that stuff if you're not here? And Jesus says, wait till you see. You'll be able to do it because of the helper that the Father is sending you. And so Jesus kept telling them this stuff. And in John 14, 26, this is what he said to his followers. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Now, you might have different translations that say advocate or counselor, helper, intercessor. You may be seeing a bunch of different words there. But why those different words are there is because all of these translators were trying to describe a Greek word and a thought called the paraclete. That was the Greek word that's used there. And it simply means somebody that stands beside you to hold you up. Somebody that does what you can't do by yourself. Come on, think about that. How do you comprehend a word like that? And there's all these translations. Oh, he's your counselor. He's going to be the one that gives you wisdom. He's your advocate. He's going to argue your case when you can't even stand up and do it on your own. He's going to do things on your behalf. He's the intercessor. He stands in the gap for you and prays. All of those thoughts are wrapped up in that word and that concept. And it says one of his main jobs is that he will teach you everything and remind you of what Jesus told you. So one of the main jobs that we see in this passage, one of the main jobs, the Holy Spirit helps us hear Jesus. How many of you appreciate when you hear Jesus? And if you've never heard Jesus talking to you before, he still does that today. He, because he's alive. Only, only dead people don't talk, right? So if he's alive, we should assume that he still talks to us today. He gives us direction. We mentioned that even during worship. If you're looking for direction in your life, you need to hear the voice of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is how he talks to us today. He says he will teach you everything. How many of you ever wanted to know everything? How many of you thought you knew everything when you were like 16 to 18 years old and then... The older you got, you realized, I need somebody to teach me everything. I, I, the older I got, the more I know what I don't know. How about, it's like one of those. The Holy Spirit does that for us, though. He will give us wisdom. He will teach us. And he will remind us of everything that Jesus tells us. Now, I don't know where you hear the voice of Jesus. It may be when you're reading the, the Bible and something jumps off the page at you. Have you ever had that experience? That's the Holy Spirit highlighting that to you and telling you that. You may hear the voice of Jesus during worship when we were gathered together this morning and he's present in our midst and he's moving. You may feel an impression or a thought may come into your head and you're like, wow, that wasn't me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you doesn't have to be weird and spooky. All those things that, that we think about that people get nervous about. He comes and talks to us like a real person. It may be during that. It, it may be just at home when you're, you're out in nature somewhere and you just feel the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the voice of Jesus to us. And I, and I always have to give the commercial. When we talk about Jesus speaking to us, the Holy Spirit will never say anything that violates the principles found in Scripture. 
Okay, just, just to be clear on that, because there's a lot of people that do crazy stuff and blame it on God. God told me to do that. No, he didn't, because I know that's not what the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit will speak to us today. He's alive. He's active. That's one of his main jobs, is he helps us hear the voice of Jesus. And then uh, there's another thing that I think is a key that the Holy Spirit does for us. Uh, this is the, actually the last thing that Jesus said. So right after he told the disciples, hey, I'm going to send you another counselor. He's walking with them. Right before he literally disappears in a cloud and goes back to heaven, the, the ascension. He, he, he goes and disappears, and they're standing, staring up into the sky, and then the angels come and say, why are you looking up there? Like, go do stuff. The last thing, this is the very last thing that Jesus said to them before he disappeared into a cloud. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he told them to go wait in Jerusalem. He says, you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. Just because that's a fun word to say, power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus is telling them, you aren't going to be able to do everything I'm asking you to do without some power. If you try doing this in the natural, you're going to get worn out. Anybody ever try to be a good person in your own strength? That's That's exhausting. Come on, you can't make it happen. You'll never be good enough. But when the Holy Spirit comes and fills you, he gives you the power to walk out everything that Jesus has asked you to do. This baptism, what Jesus talked about, go wait for this gift that the Father has promised. This baptism will give you the power you need to impact the world. And you'll tell people everywhere about what I've done. So this, and I, when I look at this verse, this is another job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us speak for Jesus. How's that for a responsibility? And God trusts you enough to put himself inside of you, to put his spirit in you, and to let you speak on his behalf. That's an awesome responsibility that he's given us. All all the supernatural activity. Because you, you see the Holy Spirit move and he does a variety of things. He moves in ways we can't even comprehend. Some of them make you go, eh, I don't know about that. Anybody ever have one of those moments? Like, like you've seen something in a church or a setting where people are praying for the Holy Spirit to come and you're like, I'm not so sure about that one. All of it, whether it's a big thing or a little thing, all the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit is so that we can hear what Jesus says and speak on his behalf. Come on, it, it, it all is about Jesus. If, if it ends up pointing to anything else, it was not the Holy Spirit. Come on, it, it may have been somebody just trying to get the spotlight on them. It may have been the devil prompting. If it doesn't point to Jesus, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And all the stuff that happens is so that we can hear Jesus' voice and speak on his behalf, to be witnesses, to let the world know about him. Last, last week at the end of service, I, I asked us uh, for an action item. I said, ask him for more this week. And, and we said that you can go back and listen to the message last week, but we said the Holy Spirit's almost like, it sounds like a paradox because we've been given the fullness of the Spirit, yet there's something about asking for more. There's always more with an infinite God. Don't ever be satisfied with one experience. More of the Holy Spirit simply means that the activity of Jesus will increase in our lives. I will hear him more clearly. I will have testimonies. I will be able to speak on his behalf to others with more boldness and more power.
And, and please, don't. We, we always talk about not putting God in a box. This is one of those moments when we ask the Holy Spirit for more, what that looks like is up to him. Don't, don't put your own, I'll, I'll say that to myself, don't put my own ex- expectations on what God should do. Just ask him for more and say, Holy Spirit, I'm open to whatever you want to do in my life. And if it is the Holy Spirit, God will be seen. Some, honestly, sometimes the Holy Spirit does stuff that doesn't make sense to us in the natural. I don't know. All I know is scripture says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God's infinite. He's not obligated to give me an explanation for everything he does. I'm just excited when he shows up and does it. Because he still is in the business of saving and healing and delivering, being real to people, letting them know they're loved, making them whole. He does all these things. So back to our story. So those are two, two main jobs the Holy Spirit does. He helps us hear Jesus. He helps us speak on his behalf. Uh, back to the day of Pentecost, I just want to look at a couple stories of what the Holy Spirit did. And then we're actually going to do some water baptisms today. That's, I'm excited for that to happen. Uh, so the day of Pentecost, he told the disciples, go wait. They're praying. Lord, we don't know what it's going to look like, but you told us to go wait, and we're praying. The day of Pentecost came. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. There was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. There were things that looked like fire that came and sat on each one of the disciples. The believers began to speak in languages that Jews from all over the world heard and understood. There, there were people from other countries that spoke different languages that were there on the day of Pentecost, and they heard the wonders of God being proclaimed in their own language. I think we underestimate what that's like because we think everybody in the world speaks English. Can you imagine this for a second, though? Like, like we've, been, uh, we've been into countries on mission trips where they spoke their indigenous language and English. Super easy to navigate a mission trip in those environments. I've been in environments where they didn't speak English at all, and it's a whole other ballgame. In, in fact, I don't speak a lick of Spanish. I, I took German in high school because, because our family has German history, all that. But I went on a mission trip to Mexico, and I had no clue how to speak Spanish. And in our brilliant planning, the missionary I was going with said, just fly into Mexico City, I'll meet you at the airport. That sounds great. Easy peasy, right? I didn't know that when you fly into Mexico City, there's two terminals that are separate. Terminal 1 and Terminal 2. I flew into Terminal 1, and the missionary was waiting at Terminal 2. I couldn't speak anything to anybody because I don't speak Spanish. And you couldn't... (laughs) Oh, this is just ridiculous. Are you guys okay if I tell this story? Like... He tells me, come meet me at the airport. We're going to buy tickets for our connecting flight to go somewhere else in Mexico once we get to the airport because it will be cheaper. So little did I know, if you fly into one terminal, you can't take the tram to go to the other terminal unless you have a ticket to fly out of that terminal. And this is what it was like. Imagine being in another country where you don't speak a word of the language And suddenly, you hear somebody speaking in your own language. Do you need some help? It's like the day of Pentecost all over again. Thank you, Jesus. You heard my cry. 
And literally, there was a guy there who worked at the airport who spoke English and said, tell me what's going on. You look confused. You look like you need help. Uh, do I, I must have that resting confused face. Um, so he helps me. He goes, he talks to the guard at the gate and says he needs to get to the other terminal. He gets me where I'm going. It was amazing. It was a miracle. Similar. On the day of Pentecost, there's people there from other countries that don't speak the language there, and they hear people in their own language saying, God is great. Let us tell you about his wonders. He sent Jesus the Messiah. Whatever it was that they were proclaiming, it doesn't say it specifically in Scripture. It just says they were proclaiming the wonders of God. That got people's attention. That caused them to take notice and say, we should go listen a little more. There's somebody talking in a language we understand. And uh, they heard people speaking about the wonders of God. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 12. And the people were listening. It says they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. And I just read that verse, and I think sometimes the activity of the Holy Spirit can make you say, wow. And sometimes the activity of the Holy Spirit makes you say, huh? I don't get it. Come on, both of those are legitimate responses to the work of the Holy Spirit. It says they were amazed and perplexed. There were things happening that made them say, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe this. And there were things going on that made them say, this is weird. Like, I don't understand this. I'm perplexed about this. Isn't perplexed a fun word? You don't hear that often enough. We ought to make perplexed work into our vocabulary more this week. They were amazed and perplexed. We don't have to understand everything the Holy Spirit does. There, there may be things that we may not figure out on this side of eternity, but they're a part of God's plan. And if he's moving and touching people's lives, we need to be okay with him doing it. You might be amazed by it. You might be perplexed. But if Jesus is in the middle of it, it's okay. You, you will be all right no matter what happens around you. We, we said last week, sometimes in a church setting, you'll hear the word manifestation. And all that means is what's visible on the outside of what an invisible God is doing inside of us. And there were things going on in the day of Pentecost that made some people say, wow, and some people said, huh? And they asked each other, what's going on? What can this mean? I will tell you, nothing should ever happen that we can't talk about. Come on, we have, we have a saying here at our church, everything can be a conversation. There's, there's nothing that's too hard to talk about or ask about. If there's anything, I can guarantee you this as the pastor, if there's ever anything that happens in our service that we think God might be moving and it looks a little weird, it might make us say, well, it might make us say, huh? We're going to talk about it. It's, there's, there's places you go to some church services, stuff happens, and then everybody acts like, oh, we didn't see any of that, right? Have you ever, ever been to one of those church services? Stuff starts happening and nobody talks about it again. And you're like, well, what was that? I think it's okay, just like they did in the book of Acts, to have a conversation and say, well, what does this mean? Why, why did that guy get up and run around the room a couple laps? Like, like I don't know what, what it may be that happens, but it's okay to talk about. And then it goes on, Acts chapter 2.13. There are always some people like this in the crowd. It says, others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Come on, some people are saying, wow, some people are saying, huh, some people are having a conversation, and then there's the mockers saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Can I ask a question in church? How do drunk people act? No, nobody's wanting to answer this question. Like, 
We come to church and everybody in the room is acting like you've never seen a drunk person before. I, I don't know. I don't go to those five. No, I don't hang out with those people. Come on. You guys know how drunk people act. We've been around them, right? Sometimes they, they get happy. They get excited. So I, I actually saw a quote this week that said, the only honest people in the world are little children and drunk people. There is something to that. You ever, you ever go somewhere with a little kid and they're like, why is that person so fat? Like, and you're like, shh, we don't say those things. Come on, there's something about little kids and drunk people. I don't know what it is. But they had to have been exhibiting some of those behaviors for people around them to say, those guys must be drunk. What do drunk people do? They might get loud. They might, they might start singing a little bit. Any singing drunks is like... You ever know those people? I was going to ask in the room, but I'm not going to ask in the room. I'm going to ask, do you know anybody like that? They, they might have been singing. They might be hanging on each other like, oh, like I'm so happy. Like everybody's my friend now. Can I tell you, the world tries to counterfeit things that are very real with God. There are times when the Holy Spirit is moving, and I have experienced this. I know this for a fact. There are times when the Holy Spirit is moving when everybody in the room is your friend. There's just something about you, the love that wells up in your heart. Man, I want to give everybody, oh, do I have any money? I just, I, everything I have, I want to give it away. There's something that happens when the Holy Spirit is at work in our midst that causes it to look like a bunch of people would stand up and say, oh, those guys are just drunk. These can be legitimate responses to the work of the Holy Spirit when he's moving. And thankfully, we said we would always have a conversation no matter what happens. The Holy Spirit's able to take care of this. In in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says Peter got up. He stepped forward with the other 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. And if you're thinking that 9 a.m. in the morning is not too early for that, then we may need to have an intervention later. There's, 9 a.m. is too early for that. But being able to get up and explain what's going on is also a legitimate response to the work of the Holy Spirit in you. There, there may be times when somebody's looking at you and saying, oh, that person must be drunk. But there may be times when you stand up and say, let me tell you what's going on. Peter actually is doing what Jesus asked him to do when he said, go wait for power to be a witness and tell everybody about what I'm doing. Peter is beginning to tell everyone about Jesus, just like Jesus promised in Acts 1.8. He begins to make this case that the believers aren't drunk with alcohol, but that there is a supernatural activity and there's a version going on that's better than what you could experience in any bar with any drink that you could get. The world tries to produce the things of the kingdom, but it doesn't lead to life. It just leads to counterfeits. In fact, later, the Apostle Paul, because he was familiar with the work of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5.18, he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you, if you read that verse in context, that whole section in Ephesians 5 actually starts with a verse that says, don't live like fools. And then it lists a couple things 
to be aware of and to do or to not do. And one of them is don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. He says not only will being drunk with wine not produce abundant life that Jesus promised, it'll ruin the life you do have. Woo! He says instead, come on, the, the kingdom is full of better options. It doesn't, it doesn't say that wine ruined their lives. It says being drunk, giving it a place in your life where you just let it overflow you. Instead, Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you study that out, the, the verb tense where it says be filled, it's implying that it's an ongoing, repeated action. I'm going to position myself, Lord, I need more of your spirit. I don't understand all the dynamics of it. I don't know why it says you've given me the fullness, yet I could be baptized. I don't know why I've got these gifts, but you said eagerly desire more. I'm just going to position myself to say, whatever else you want to do in my life, I want your activity to increase. Fill me to overflowing. After the 120 people that had been praying were filled on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved and stuff started to happen. Here's, here's two accounts. There's a guy named Philip. He was one of the first deacons. He was there when Stephen got killed. And uh, because Stephen got killed, Philip and a bunch of the other believers got scattered. They left town. They started preaching the gospel everywhere else. And in Acts chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. We're going to see in this story, this is, this is one end of the spectrum of Holy Spirit activity that might make you go, ah. Uh, Philip was using the power from on high that he had received to be a witness. He started doing miraculous signs. Holy Spirit activity causes people to take notice. It, whether it's big or small, if Jesus changes your life, if he starts to move in and through your life, people take notice of it. They might notice it and be happy about it. They might get angry. They might start mocking it. They might be confused. But they are going to notice when Jesus starts moving and doing things. And we don't, come on, we don't want the Holy Spirit to just move to have an experience at church, right? If, if Jesus said, this power is going to be so you can be a witness and tell people. Like people that don't know me, you need to tell them about me. Why would we think the power would happen at a place mostly where everybody knows him? There might be some people in the room that don't know him today. We're going to make an opportunity for you to meet him. But more, by and large, I think the power is for the people that don't know him out there, for us to be witnesses. And this is what happened. It says Philip did these signs and miraculous signs that caused people to pay close attention. Verse 7, it says, with shrieks, Evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in that city. How many of you think it would be a little uncomfortable if the person next to you started shrieking? There's another word we don't use that often. Perplexed is a good one to work in this week. Bonus points if you can work in shrieking in a conversation somewhere. And I'm not even going to try to reproduce shrieking because it would be awkward and sound weird for me. But with shrieks, it says, evil spirits came out of people. You know who wasn't uncomfortable with the shrieking? The people who were getting set free and their families who loved them. I think there's sometimes when the Holy Spirit moves and does things in people's lives, we need to be okay with saying, wow, you're free. 
you, you love Jesus more. You got, you got excited about him. You got healed. Whatever it is that happens, it's okay for what, however that came. The end result is, man, we're excited with you because Jesus did a work in you. If, if somebody started shrieking next to you, we, that's one of the things we would definitely talk about. Like, I promise you that. We would find out what was going on. We would do it. Um, instead of judging outward manifestations of the Holy Spirit, how about we, we look at and evaluate changed lives? That's what we're after. The genuine work of the Holy Spirit releases joy. It says there was great joy in that city because of what God was doing through Philip. Even though it looked on the outside like, woo, that might be a little uncomfortable. There's people screaming and falling out. These demons are getting cast out. But there was great joy in the city because of it. The Holy Spirit doesn't always move in ways that look like external fireworks. Come on, we we talk about when an invisible God touches you, like you have a reaction. The Holy Spirit doesn't always make it look like fireworks and and outstanding things. Here's another example that I want to close with in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7. And this ties in actually to what we were talking about during worship of people needing direction and asking God for things. Acts 16, verse 6 says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. That verse we just read, I'd never seen that on a Christian painting in a bookstore. Never seen it cross-stitched on any pillow. Like nobody's like, hey, that's my life first. Paul didn't get to go to Bithynia. But this is legitimate work of the Holy Spirit. This is just as much supernatural work of the Holy Spirit as Philip casting demons out of people and doing miracles. The fact that Paul just knew inside of his heart, we're not supposed to go that way. I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me this. Jesus doesn't want us to go there right now. He's got something else. And there's a lesson in that. We need to be open to the Holy Spirit adjusting our plans even if we're continuing to do something he asked us to do. Come on, Paul was called to be an apostle to the nations. He was called to just go, go, go. Go to the ends of the earth, preach the gospel, save all those Gentiles. Whatever it was, he was in go mode, but he was still open to, God, if you want to adjust my plans, you're welcome to do that. They're your plans anyway. And he, he knew, hey, we're, we're not supposed to go that way. We're supposed to go this other way. And God didn't tell him the reason. It's not recorded in Scripture. God's not obligated to tell us when he asks us to do something. Acts 16.9, it goes on in the story. It says that night, and I think this is why they did, God didn't let them go to the other place. Acts 16.9, it says that night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Don't discount any of the nudges you get. God's trying to speak to us. I think the Holy Spirit wants to speak more than we're willing to listen. And if we just turn our attention to him, if what the Spirit says is clear, act on it. I I like to think that I would be a quick enough study with the Holy Spirit that if I had a dream and saw a guy saying, hey, come over to Bethel Park and preach to us, I'd get in the car and go to Bethel Park. Come on. Do you think it could be any clearer than that? 
And it's like sometimes God is so clear and we spend time, if, if he's not clear, pray about it some more. Talk about it with somebody else. Hey, I had this dream. I don't know if it was God or the pizza I ate last night, but could it be God? Like, let's talk about it. If it's not God, pray about it some more. Put it on the shelf. But too many of us spend time praying about the things that we've already heard clearly about. That we've heard God say, go across the street to do that. And I don't need to pray about that. I just need to do it. It may not be a shrieking demon or a healing of a paralyzed man, but Holy Spirit direction in our lives is just as amazing. We actually had that happen this week. Um, one, of, one of the young girls at church, she had a dream, and uh, she saw one of the babies in the nursery, Luca. She was like, oh, in my dream, he was sick. So I called his mom to say, hey, I need to pray. Is, is Luca okay? And they were like, hey, he's, he's been under the weather this morning. He's stuffy. He's got whatever's going on. And it was like, hey, I believe God wants to heal him right now. I don't know how God works that way, but it's cool when he does it because it encourages you and other people. Like, look at what God spoke to us. That's part of why we need to stay filled so that we don't miss something that God wants to do and an opportunity to have a story to tell people about his goodness. All right, man, this is the action item I have for us this week. Very similar to last week, except last week I said, ask for more of the Holy Spirit. That was an individual thing. This week I'm asking us, pray for more. Pray for more of Holy Spirit activity at New Life Fellowship, whatever that looks like. And right, right now, if, uh, if you're actually getting baptized today and you need to get changed, you could go do that right now. That would be a great opportunity. Thank you for that reminder. But I, I want us to pray. So last week was kind of an individual request. This, this week, I'm asking for us to pray as a family. Just, just, Lord, we want more of your activity here. We want to hear your voice more. We want to see your moving. We want to hear and speak on your behalf. We want to see that happen at New Life so that people will be drawn to know that you are alive and real. How many of you think you could could do that with me this week? Is that too hard to ask? I I got like six people raised their hands. So six of us are going to pray for revival. How many of you think you could do that with me this week? All right, that's, that's more like it. We're in this together. This is not the Chris and Pam show. This is not the New Life show. This, this is us as the body of Jesus Christ asking him to move in our region so that people will come to know him and experience him. We, when I say pray for more, what are we saying? We're saying we want more. We want more healings. We want more salvation. We want more baptisms. We want to hear your voice more. Whatever that looks like, God, we're not putting it on our expectations. We're saying do what you want to do. Let's go ahead and stand in this place. Uh, I mentioned that we're going to do water baptisms in just a second because uh, it's a part of, of the Christian walk. On the, on the day of Pentecost, they asked Peter after he preached his sermon, what should we do to be saved? He told him, repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. We, we believe that water baptism is a step that you take as a Christian to say, hey, not, not only did Jesus save me through what he did on the cross, I'm identifying with the fact that my whole life is buried with him and that I've been raised to live a new life full of his power. And so we're going to do water baptisms this morning, but if you're here in this place and you've never even started a relationship with Jesus, you've never repented, you've never said, I need a savior, this is a great day to do that. 
Romans, it says it's, it's as easy as saying, I, I believe in my heart that Christ died for me and he rose from the dead. And I'm declaring that Jesus is Lord. And it says, if we do that, we are saved. Doesn't, it doesn't mean instantly all your problems disappear. Sometimes that happens. He miraculously does it. But it means you've stepped into a new life. It means, means that the old stuff that was controlling you and the old things that you did, the things that were causing guilt and shame and racking you, they've been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. And they don't have a hold anymore. I'm just going to encourage you make that real with him right now where you're sitting but come tell one of us after service we'll be up front here there'll be some people from the ministry team and leadership in the front and in the back if you need to to start a relationship with Jesus let somebody know before you go today and we'll pray with you let's pray God we thank you for your presence in this place today We don't take it for granted that you are faithful to show up every time that we gather in your name. Even if it's just two or three of us, you are there with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. And God, I ask, uh, we ask together, Lord, that you would move in our midst, that you would do more. We're so thankful for the things you've already done. We, we are grateful, Lord. We don't take any of it for granted, but we know there's more because you are bigger than we can imagine. You want to do more than we can think or imagine. And so, Lord, we position ourselves to make room for you to do more in our midst. For those people that, that we know and care about that need to know you, for those people that, that you love them even more than we could ever love them, Lord, we ask for more to be seen in our midst. Have your way among us. Speak to us. Give us direction in our lives. Let our lives be testimonies of your goodness in our midst. God, it boggles our minds trust us enough to speak on your behalf, that you would take such little that we have to offer, and you would multiply and give us a way to the world. Use, use our lives 